To manage your body, you must be willing to discipline your body. Discipline breaks the power of the devil in your life. This is the 10th message in the series, Smart Living. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. This is the 10th message in the series. If you've missed any of these messages, I would really encourage you to go back to our website, church-redeemer.org. All the archived messages are there for you, available free of charge. You can simply catch up on anything that you've missed or review, anything that perhaps you'd like to review again. But we are going to continue and conclude the message series entitled Smart Living. We've been talking about what it means, according to Scripture, to actually be smart. What does it mean to be a smart person? That word is used quite a bit in our culture today. We hear it referring to technology, smartphones, and smart devices, and smart cars, and smart houses. And so we use that term quite a bit. But when we bring that idea, that concept of smartness into the Bible, it really takes on a different tone and meaning, and it actually is best defined by another word, and that is the word wisdom. Smart people are really wise people. They have the ability to take the knowledge of God and actually apply it in their life. It's not a matter of how good your IQ is or how much education you may have. You can actually, as I've said before, become an educated fool. And so what you want to do in life is to go after something called wisdom, true smartness, the wisdom of God. And this wisdom is found in all the books of the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible. It is really focused in on one particular book, and that is the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, and it's really focused in upon or, or really points us to the wisdom of a king named Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. He followed his father, David. David expanded the kingdom of Israel in amazing ways, and so when David dies, he passes on the responsibility to his son Solomon, and Solomon realizes he is really over his head. He doesn't know how to lead Israel, and so he prays a prayer. He goes to God, and he prays and asks for one thing. He doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for all kind of wealth. He does not ask for success and victory over his enemies. He asks God for one thing. Oh, God, would you give me wisdom. Would you give me wisdom? And God answered his prayer in the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, is much of a download of the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. We're encouraging you as a part of this series to get in the habit of reading the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so it's very easy to take one chapter a day corresponding with the day of the month, normally 31 days of the month, and so you can read the chapter that corresponds with that day. Today is the 26th of June, so you read Proverbs 26, and you can follow that pattern, and by doing so, you can read through the book of Proverbs approximately 10 to 12 times every year, and you can download that wisdom. We've looked at a number of different aspects of wisdom, as Solomon has laid it out for us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about the final context, the final topic matter that I, I want us to really pay attention to that Solomon touches on when it comes to wisdom. And I'm going to preach a message today or teach a message today that perhaps some of you have never heard a message related to in your entire life. I want to talk to you related to what the Bible says about taking care of your physical body. Real wisdom involves learning to take care of your physical health. I want you to do something with me for a moment. Right where you are, just, just look down at your body just for a moment. Just look at your body. You don't normally think about your body. Generally, only at two times you think about your body when you step on the scales 
or you think about your body whenever you go to the doctor, you're sick. When something's going wrong with your body, you think about it. When you kind of say, you know what, I need to lose some weight, you think about it. But generally speaking, you never think much about your body. But how you manage your body is really important because it impacts your relationship with God. I'm going to prove that to you today. It impacts your relationships with other people. It impacts your usefulness for the kingdom of God. Your body is something that is very important, and God deems it as very important. And the devil, being a thief, would like to steal from you your health or steal from you uh, by causing you to make certain decisions with your body that diminish your effectiveness for God. You and I need to manage our bodies well. We have a responsibility to be good stewards over our physical health. Let's take a look at what Proverbs says about this. In Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse number 5, you know this verse very well, but perhaps you haven't noticed the latter part of this verse in verse number 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. And what will He do? He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Read the rest with me. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Here we see a passage of Scripture that points out that in the wisdom of God, that if we live the way God wants us to live, that it does affect our physical bodies, that your body is important to God. It matters to God. And so today I'm going to share with you three lessons that I think will be helpful in understanding our stewardship over our physical bodies. Here's the first lesson today. Your life and your body are gifts from God. The Bible is very clear about the origin of human life and the origin of your physical body. You're not the result of evolution. You're the result of creation. I want to say that again. You are not, your body is not the result of evolution. I don't have time to go into many things that could prove that to us. But your body is not the result of evolution. Your body is the result of a creator creating life, giving life. God created the wonderful gift of human life. And because of that, life is sacred. Life is sanctified. Life is precious to God. You have a designer body. You maybe not, may not feel like it, but you do, okay? You have a designer body designed by the creator of the universe. Let's take a look at some scriptures that point this out. I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Do we believe the Bible? Do we believe the Bible? Yes. The Bible is our foundation for anything that we teach or believe. Then here, so this is scripture. Genesis, first chapter of the first book of the Bible. Then God said, let us make or create man or human beings in our image and likeness and let them rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the air. So God created, God did what? He created human beings in his image. Not in the image of a monkey, okay? In his image, in the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. Take a look with me now at Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. Then the Lord God formed. That word formed is also shaped, fashioned, designed, we might say. Then the Lord God formed or shaped the man from the dust of the ground. And then what did he do? He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person or a living 
soul. The psalmist David, looking at his physical body in Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 and 14, he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. He's not saying his soul and spirit, although obviously those were created by God as well. But in this particular passage, he's referring to his body. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. There David again affirms how he was knit together. Where? In his mother's womb womb, the sanctity and the value of life. The prophet Jeremiah heard a word from God related to his own body, his own creation. And God speaks to Jeremiah as he calls him to become a prophet. And God says to him, before I shaped you, or another translation says formed you, before I shaped or formed you, in where the womb, I knew all about you. When did God know all about Jeremiah? Before he was even shaped in the mother's womb. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. And just as God had a plan in mind for Jeremiah, God, when he formed you and shaped you, before you were even shaped in your mother's womb, God had a plan and a purpose for your life. So given these scriptures, what should we do? First of all, we should appreciate the gift of life. We should thank God for the gift of life. We should appreciate the fact that we are not an accident, no matter what the circumstances were of your birth. And there are many different, perhaps, circumstances of birth and how you came into the world. But no matter the circumstances of your birth, you were not a surprise to God. When he clothed your spirit and clothed your soul with a body, when he gave you entrance into this world, you came as a special gift to this world of God's creation. You are special, a special gift. And the second thing that we must do in response to these scriptures is that we must accept the package that God gave you. Okay. Human life comes in a package, doesn't it? And the package is called our physical body. And the package of life comes in various colors, it comes in various shapes, it comes in various sizes. And sadly, a significant portion of people are always fighting with God about their package, okay? They don't like their package very much. What I want to encourage you to do is to accept the package that God gave you, amen? God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and he gave you this package. This is who you are, okay? Now, you need to work on your package, dress it up as nicely as you can, put some bows on it from time to time, do everything you can to make your package as, as pleasing as possible, but your package is your package, okay? And so you're never going to get somebody else's package. No matter how many cosmetic surgeries you have and things that you go through, it is not going to change the basic dimension of the package that God gave you. So start, stop arguing with God about your package. Can I get an amen right here, okay? It's your package, okay? And once you accept your package, amazing things start happening in your life. A lot of people, you say, I, I, I can't really have friends. I'm not very attractive. Well, when you accept yourself as God made you, it's amazing how comfortable you become in your own skin, okay? 
and suddenly life gets a whole lot better for you. And then the third thing that you must do in response to these scriptures is give the right attention to your body. There are two extremes when it comes to giving attention to your body. There's some people that give too much attention to their body, okay? I mean, they're always concerned about how they look and, 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 uh, and, and always maybe in what we call gym rats are always trying to uh, make themselves look better and that's the only focus of their life. Nothing wrong with going to the gym. I highly recommend it for most of you. I don't do it myself generally, but it's a great recommendation for you. Uh, uh, I do have a little bit of exercise equipment at home that's in my basement. I visit it every now and then. Uh, I'll come back to that in a moment. But you've got to give the right attention to your body because what you don't want to do is you don't want to trash the gift God gave you. Amen? If I give you a gift and you throw it away, there are one of two options. You throw it away because you don't value the gift or you don't value me as the giver. Okay? If you trash a gift, it's one of those options. Okay? If I give you a gift and you simply don't care about it, you trash it, it means I don't care about the gift or I don't care about the person who gave the gift to me. And so we need to learn to handle our, our bodies with care. And so we don't want to be on the extreme of worshiping our bodies. Your bodies are not worthy of worship. Amen? But neither should we be on the extreme of completely neglecting our bodies. We need to give the right attention to our bodies. And then the fourth thing, we need to prepare to answer to God for what we do with our body. Did you understand that one day you're going to give an account to God for what you did with your body? Let me stop there for a moment. We normally think, well, yeah, I'm going to give an account to God for how I lived my life and uh, what was in my spirit and how I handled my soul. Was I healthy in my soul? But I want you to know that the Bible says you'll also give an account to God for what goes on with your body. Here we go in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Do we believe the Bible? Okay. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good and evil we have done in this earthly body. So here we're told that we're going to give an account to God for what we've done in our bodies. The second lesson for us today is this. To understand that God has a purpose for your body. The reason God gave you a body is because there's a reason for you having it. You don't just have a body for no uh, reason. Everything that God creates, he creates for a purpose. Amen? He doesn't create anything purposelessly. And so when he created our physical bodies, it was for a purpose. And the Bible talks about this purpose. Let me give you three verses that emphasize this very purpose. It's very clear, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, our bodies were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So what was your body made for? For who? For the Lord. Okay, remember that. And the Lord cares about our bodies. Take a look with me now at 1 Corinthians 6, 13. The body, again, is for who? For the Lord and the Lord for the body. And so are we beginning to see there's a purpose to this thing, right? Why did God give you a body? Well, your body is for the Lord and the Lord is for your, your, your body. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. He wants each of you to learn to control your own 
body in a way that is holy and honorable. So in other words, the purpose of your body is that you might present your body to God in a holy way and live your life and use your body in an honorable way to God. So what does this actually mean? Let me see if I can break these verses down for us to see exactly what this means. What is the purpose of your body? The purpose of your body is, first of all, to be a holy place where God lives. When you and I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. The Bible says that you are, we are the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit. So everywhere you go, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you take the Spirit of God with you. Wherever you go, God goes. Why? Because if you're a believer, God is living inside of you, okay? God is not just out here somewhere. He indeed is, but God is also inside of you, living inside of you by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is always bearing witness, even in the fact that you're hearing God's Word today and something inside of you is saying amen to the Word of God. That's the Spirit of God inside of you, bearing witness to the fact that God is inside of you. And so therefore, if God is living in you and you're to be a holy place where God lives, the Lord is exposed to everything we do as believers. There's no place that you can go that God doesn't go. So where are you taking God? Where are you taking him? What are you exposing him to? How comfortable is the Holy Spirit living in your house? I'm not sure if you've ever visited someone before, met a guest at their house, and felt uncomfortable there. Have you ever been there before? You felt like, I need to leave, okay? The question is, do we grieve the Spirit of God living in our house? Does the Holy Spirit feel uncomfortable? Are we making the Holy Spirit comfortable in our house? Because it's a holy place where God lives. Our bodies are for the Lord, right? Our bodies are for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Second of all, the second purpose is that we're to be a holy vessel that God uses. Not only does God live in us, but God wants to work through us. It's a privilege, an amazing, incredible privilege to think that God would want to use us. And he uses us as a part of his spiritual body called the church. We're joint members together. Your body adds to the body of other believers in Christ, and we form the church body, okay? The church body are all the believers of Jesus coming together as a family. But every part is important. Your body is a part of the big body called the church, and God wants to use you to advance his kingdom through your body. You are a vessel through whom God communicates to the world. That would change everything about the way we live if we simply understood that reality that we are to be a vessel that God can use, that when God wants to get something done, he wants to get it done through your body, through your mouth and through your eyes and through your ears and through your hands and through your feet. God wants to accomplish his work. And thirdly, your body is to be, here's the purpose, the body is for who? Who's it for? Help me out here. It's for the the Lord, right? So it's to be a holy place where God lives, a holy vessel that God uses, and then thirdly, a holy instrument of God's worship and praise. God wants your body to be engaged in worship. 
He made your body so that your body becomes an instrument of worship to him. That's why oftentimes in our services, you come in and the first portion of our service, we invite you to sing songs of praise to God. We invite you to use your body. It's called your mouth or your lips to begin to proclaim the glory of God. We encourage you to lift your hands, your heart with your hands to God. It's a part of your body being engaged in worship. And so we encourage you, engage. The scripture is very clear that your body is an instrument of worship. Some of you say, well, I'm not very musical. Let me show you, you've got a 10-string instrument right there that when you lift your hands to God, it's an instrument of worship. When you clap your hands to God, not just in some uh, sort of frivolous applause, but when you say, God, I thank you. God, I praise you for who you are. I'm using my instrument to praise. And when I speak out with my lips, Lord, I lift you high and I magnify you and I exalt you and I praise you. I'm using the instrument of my body. When I sing my praise to God. Now, some of you say, well, I don't sing very well. That's okay. You're covered. The Bible says, all the Bible ever says is make a joyful noise to God. That's all you have to do, okay? So some of you, you're okay, okay? That's about all that you can do, but that's all right, okay? It didn't say you got to be perfected in your ability to sing. It says you just need to make a noise to God, okay? How many of you can make some noise, amen, okay? Come on, can you make some noise? Why don't we do that right now? Come on, make some noise to God right now, okay? Now, just... Just close your eyes, forget about people around you, and I want you to, again, make some noise of worship to God. Come on, just give Him praise. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We bless you. We thank you for who you are. That's why God made your body, okay? It's to be a holy place where God lives. It's to be an instrument God uses, and it's to be an instrument of worship and praise, giving glory and honor to God. Why did God make your body? Because your body is for the Lord. It's not for anything else, okay? Your body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for your body. God has a purpose for your body. My third final point today is this. Managing your body requires what? Well, that's a tough word, isn't it? Have you noticed that your body often fights with you? That your body has different ideas than you have in terms of what you want to do with it, okay? And the reason is because sin dwells with inside of us, and sin pulls on our body, pulls on our flesh, okay? Pulls on our body to get us to do certain things, or to try to get us to do certain things. And the only way that you can win the battle with the body, okay? Because the body wants to do something other than serve the Lord, okay? Because there's sin in our bodies, there's sin in our nature, okay? So our bodies pull against God oftentimes, or pull against what is good for us. And so the only way that you and I will win the war that we have internally with our bodies is by something called, what is it called again? Discipline. This is a key word, and you have to apply it in many realms of life, but certainly in the realm of dealing with your body. So what is discipline? Here's my definition that I will give you for discipline. Discipline is the investment we make today that produces health and blessings tomorrow. It's the investment. Don't think of discipline as something terrible. No, discipline is the investment you make today, doing certain things today, that will lead and produce health and blessings tomorrow. I'll illustrate this. 
If you're disciplined in your finances, what will happen in your future? It provides better opportunity for you to be blessed and healthy financially in your future, correct? Okay. If you're disciplined in a relationship, that, you're, that you handle your relationships well, we've talked about that before, then in that aspect of your life, then what you're doing right today is going to set you up for success tomorrow. Most of us live with what we want today. I just want what I want right now. But discipline says, no, I'm willing to push away from me what I want right now to have something better tomorrow, okay? I want my, my life to be blessed. Discipline is the willingness to say yes to the right things in life and no to the wrong things in life. It's the ability, listen closely, to push past your impulses because your impulses will drive you in a certain way. But discipline says, I'm going to push past those impulses. I'll push past those hormones that are trying to drive me in a certain direction or my, my wants or my desires or my feelings or my emotions. I'm going to push past those to do what is right. Even when everything inside of me is trying to get me to do the opposite of that, I'm going to invest today in that which will produce health and blessing tomorrow. The Apostle Paul made this very clear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, I discipline my, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul realized that unless he sets some limits and some requirements on his own body, he could potentially become a shipwrecked soul. Unless he sets some limits and requirements on his body, he could become a disgraced disciple. See, discipline, listen closely, discipline is one of the keys that breaks the power of the devil in your life. You say, how do I break the power of the devil? Some devils come out only by prayer and fasting. I mean, fasting is a discipline, right? Fasting is the ability to push something away from your life for a period of time so that you're breaking a, hand, a stronghold of the adversary. And all throughout Scripture, we see that discipline is vital to gaining victory in your life. We often want just those quick victories. Somebody pray for me so that I can get over this. Somebody pray for me so that I can have the victory in my life. God says, well, yeah, you can pray, but there's some things else that you need to do also, and that involves a level of discipline. So let me give you five characteristics very quickly of disciplined people. We're going to run through these very fast, so if you're taking notes, do so with your fast pen, okay? Here we go. Number one, you've got to set and keep scheduled times with God. That's discipline. Why is this important? Because if you don't set time with God and keep those times with God, you're never going to be synchronized with God. Your body needs to be synchronized with God, okay? Not only does your spirit and soul need to be synchronized with God, but your body needs to be synchronized with God. So that's why you need scheduled times with God. Let me just digress for a moment. Actually, it's not really even a digression. That's why being in church is so important. Because once a week when you come to church, what happens is you get synchronized afresh with God. That's happening to you right now, whether you realize it. If you're paying attention today, you're engaged in today's message and today's worship, something's happening to you right now. You're beginning to be synchronized with God so that when you leave here, you've got a shot of God in your life, okay? 
Now, by the way, you need him again Monday morning, okay? And you need him again Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Thursday morning and Friday morning and Saturday morning or until you get back to church either Saturday night or Sunday. You don't need just one shot a week. You need God every day of your life. I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Okay. So the schedule, if you don't put it on your schedule, it will not happen. You do what you schedule in your life. Second of all, you need to establish a good structure in your life. Good, disciplined people establish structure. Can I ask you a question? What is the better kind of life? A life of order or a life of chaos? Oh, we all answer that very quickly. But you know how many people actually live a life of chaos? They never order their life at all. They just live life as it happens. I don't have any control. It just happens to me. No, you have some control over your life. You can schedule into your life the things that order your life in a way that will direct you where you need to go. And so don't let let life just happen to you. I promise if you let life just happen to you, your life is going to be filled with all kind of drama and all kind of chaos and all kind of stuff's going to go on in your life because the devil will make sure that he keeps you upset about something pretty much all the time. Okay. But if you structure your life well, It's not going to ensure that you never have any chaos, but the more ordered your life is, the better prepared you will be for the chaos when it comes. And then thirdly, you need to work. Everybody say work. Work. Disciplined people, what do they do? Disciplined people do what? Do you know that one of the commandments, one of the big ten that God gave his people, he said six days shall thou labor. Six days you need to be at work doing something. And I'm not saying that you need to have a job that occupies you for six days. But what I am saying is the scripture, I believe, teaches us that we need to keep our lives purposefully occupied and productively occupied. My mom used to remind me of a phrase when I would find myself often, you know, just sort of bored or not knowing what to do. She would say, hey, son, the, the, an idle mind is a devil's workshop, okay? Anybody ever heard that before? Idle hands are a devil's workshop. Now, true it is that when we grow idle, what can happen in our life is we, we subject ourselves to things that produce chaos and disorder in our life and actually sometimes even destruction in our life. The next one is to develop some holy habits in your life. That's what disciplined people do. They develop their habits. They actually practice holy habits, By that I mean that they pay attention to what they look at, they pay attention to what they listen to, they pay attention to what they say, they pay attention to where they go, what their hands do. They actually develop holy habits because your body, part of your body includes your eyes, okay? So what you look at, you will make a choice related to. And so you have to discipline what you're willing to look at or not look at. I mean, some things are just not good for you to look at, okay? That is not good for you to look at. I'm not here trying to give you a bunch of religious rules today. I'm just telling you certain things aren't good for you to look at. Just like certain things aren't good for you to eat. Certain things aren't good for you to look at. They don't do anything beneficial to your life. They do things that are destructive to your life. And so you've got to take charge of your eyes. Because if you don't take charge of your eyes, your eyes will take charge of you. Okay? And so you need to tell your eyes what you're going to look at and what you're not going to look at. Can I meddle a little bit further today? Okay. That includes the movies you watch, and that includes the sites you go to on the internet. It includes all those things. You got to say no to some things, okay? 
Now, there'll be some things that'll sneak up on you from time to time. I get that. I understand that. But the point I'm making is that you're beginning to say, I've got to dis- you've got to discipline your ears. What am I going to listen to? So you listen to certain things. It gets inside of you. It gets down in your soul and begins to work on you. If you listen to an agitated person, it will not be long before you'll be agitated. If you listen to an angry person, it's not long before you're going to be angry. If you listen to a disgruntled person, it's not long before you're going to be disgruntled. Is that really what you want to be? Okay. If you, if you listen to a gossip, it's not long before you'll be gossiping. Okay. So it, it, the question is, well, what do you want to be? What kind of person do you really want to be? And so you've got to develop some holy habits where your feet take you. Well, you say, well, I, I couldn't help it. My feet just took me into the bar. I couldn't help it, okay? <laughs> your feet didn't take you into the bar. You took yourself into the bar. You told your feet you're going into the bar. Can I get an amen right there, okay? <laughs> the next time your feet try to take you there, you say, no, feet, we're not going there today, okay? <laughs> amen? nor tomorrow, nor the next day, okay? But the point I'm making is you've got to exercise some holy habits in your life. Here's our last one. Develop some healthy habits as well. Healthy habits, I'm talking about just to, the kind of habits that treat your body as a gift from God. You're not worshiping your body, but you're properly caring for your body, managing your health. Your health is important. I'm going to tell you Why? You know what's going to take you into your future? Your body is going to take you into your future. Okay? And so that's, that's reason enough to be careful about what you eat and be careful about getting some exercise. Most, many of us, the only exercise we get is from the, the sofa to the refrigerator okay, and back. Okay? <laughs> but we need to begin to build those things into our life because your body is what's going to take you into your future. What do you want your future to be? Do you want to see your kids grow up? Do you want to see your grandkids? Do you want to see, Lord willing, your great-grandkids? You know what's going to take you into your future? The body that you have right now, okay? And so the better you take care of it, the more likely it will be that you will be around to celebrate and invest in those things that are yet to come in your life. And that's not saying there's not things that are diseases that happen to people and physical things we're not in control of at all that can happen to the healthiest of people. But what I'm saying is that we have a far better chance of making a better future when you and I invest well in healthy habits in our life. What are we talking about in this series? We're talking about wisdom. And part of wisdom is learning how to take care of your body. As we're concluding today, what is that called? That's called what? Smart living. People who are smart understand that God says wisdom requires you to pay attention to your body. Would you join me as we pray today? Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful for the opportunity we had to study today. We really appreciate uh, the instruction of your word to our lives. But Father, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So we ask you to take this and let it become something very real in us. Let it change the way we think and change the way we live. Lord, where we've, we've made mistakes with our body, Lord, we ask you to forgive us and give us a fresh start today. Lord, we're, we're not looking on the past of what has been and the mistakes we've made. But Lord, today is a new day, a new beginning for us. And we want to take charge Lord, of uh, our responsibility to steward this gift of our bodies well. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. 
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.